I think I will mention that we were going to do astrology, but Diane, what is her, what's her damn name? Not Nancy. Nancy Pelosi <laughs> fucked our plans up to do an actual fun episode. It's okay. I'm actually kind of glad because, um, I have I'm, to give you I'm, time. I feel good, but, um, I had a horrible accident, accident last night at jujitsu. What? can't walk so i feel like i'm not at my like peak to lead an astrology session what happened oh it was just somebody was coming down on a like just a takedown and she just like slammed down like her whole body weight and then just landed right on my foot and now i can't walk oh my god Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barco with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, uh, right-wing teacher Jessica, and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webmail.com. Uh, you can find that link to our blog in the episode notes. Uh, you can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca for Instagram and Kenny's Instagram at ZPKE and Jessica's Twitter handle at jhomey. 89 and we will post that in the episode notes please subscribe rate review turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode where we found this episode thank you uh oh and one thing one more thing to mention uh for folks interested in anything that i'm doing here in colombia and uh and abroad i will be i will now have i will start my own channel on and i will leave the the link to my channel uh, in the episode notes as well. I will be following some of my friends' uh, migration as they're trying to go up north and share their stories and possibly share other things and anything else um, some of the audience might request. Thank you. Right. Um, so today we'll be discussing uh, the recent events that are happening uh, in with as it, as it relates to uh, China, uh, Taiwan, and uh, everything in between there, right? The relationships. And we're moving away from like the Ukrainian war to now it seems to like another attack. It seems to be, and we'll discuss what we'll, what our, we, we think about it. Uh, Andy, you decided to uh, show up with this topic because we were going to discuss something differently. Maybe you can start, start off with why you decided to pick this topic. Yeah, um, I mean, we've had some pretty heavy episodes over the last three weeks and Jessica, I didn't, we, I didn't know this about Jessica, but she's like, knows astrology. I think you did a workshop about astrology. Is that what you said? Or yeah, workshops and yeah, yeah, yeah. you've had experience of doing that. So we were really going to actually go into that this week. Um, but then Nancy Pelosi decided to do her little dance over to Taiwan. And it was just like all the stuff that was taking place around it and the hubbub. Again, as Kenny has said before, once these stories are in front of you, you have to ask yourself, why is this story being thrown in front of our faces? But I really did want to discuss with you all, what do you make of all this stuff that's going on? Um, like, um, And even the thing that Eduardo kind of get at, is, is the center of axis of shifting from Ukraine to, to, to China and Taiwan, you know, that's that in itself is a statement of what's going on that, Eduardo, I know you didn't set on it, but that that's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Do people want me to give as my best summary of what I can say is going on? And then I really would like to hear other people just kind of add in and see what I, I'm, I'm not going to try to be exhausted, but I'll just say the big ones to me. So does that work? Okay. 
Um, so here, here's what are some of the things I think I know. First off, Nancy Pelosi scheduled a trip to to go to Taiwan. Um, and it's been stated that there hasn't been full agreement by the U.S., like the Biden administration didn't necessarily give her permission. They didn't say she couldn't go, but they didn't say she should go. So it's been posed as Nancy Biden, uh, Nancy Biden's, Nancy Pelosi's kind of trip to to China, um, and I mean to Taiwan. And of course, um, the U.S. has recently talked about arming Taiwan. There's been articles basically saying the U.S. is trying to turn Taiwan into the next Ukraine for themselves, but. All we know is that Nancy Pelosi, who has some, um, her and her husband have have um, investments in chips and things like that, you know, is going to Taiwan, which is a major supplier of chips for the United States. And China immediately took that as threatening its sovereignty because both China and the United States agree that there is one China and that one China seems to include, include Taiwan. Um, and so... China and the United States aren't getting along these days. Um, and China basically said, we see this kind of action as a, as a direct threat to, to our sovereignty because you didn't get permission from us to do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, the thing was escalating. China said, we, you know, you're going to regret this. They used all sorts of language. They started war um, games prior to, to the, her flight. Um, the 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 actual stop at Taiwan in, in terms of her Asian flight wasn't even listed on her agenda, but lo and behold, she does actually land in Taiwan a day or two, like two days ago. Uh, stayed about 18 hours, talked with all the various bigwigs, made these makes made a hubbub of basically, you know, look, you can't back us off, you can't bully us, and that was how the U.S. you know Congress put it. That's how and I thought the mainstream media mostly took it as we can't allow the Chinese to determine what U.S. senators and U.S. congresspeople, U.S. We, they have to have the freedom to go where they choose, you know, um, and we're not going to, we're not going to crack, we're not going to back down to Chinese bullying. Um, it wasn't clear. Many people worried that when this happened, that there was even talk of like the plane getting shot down or things like that. Um, and, and of course, people had scenarios of like, this could, this, this is a massive escalation, could lead to a new nuclear war that starts on the other side of the ocean instead of across the Atlantic with Russia, across the Pacific with China. Um, and her plane was not shot down. Um, she came and went. But since then, essentially, the war games that China has been doing have definitely gone up and escalated. And like the degree, to, if you look at the degree to which the ships are now surrounding it, it it's an effectively a, a naval blockade of Taiwan. Um, they've been doing live fire um, things. They've been um, doing amphibious maneuvers, parachutes. And I know they've been shooting missiles um, in, you know, towards into the into the strait, into the ocean there. All of these indicating that there's and basically saying to Taiwan, you made a big mistake. You are going to pay for this. Um, and that's as much as that's, has gone on so far. So I guess I'll leave it there. Um, except to say one other detail, which is some people in the U S like this guy, Esper, who is a former defense person and others are now t talking about revising the notion that the U S adheres to the one China idea. Um, there is talk of that in the Congress 
of of revisiting that and saying no, we don't accept one China, so-called one China. So that's that's as much as I know about it. Um, I decided to look into a little bit of the history of the, uh, what ta- like what is the relationship between Taiwan and China. Just to for myself, uh, I think it was it's important for like folks to know because I I I imagine there will be Taiwanese flags just like Ukrainian flags uh, in uh, on part, as part of the liberal left, right? To support independence, to support. Uh, autonomy to support uh, in in invasion, so to speak, as as it was, as I imagine, I, it was predicted when uh, Russia was going into Ukraine. Was <coughs> and uh, so when I think of when I think of uh, of this right now, what's happening between Taiwan and China I, and, and the U.S. meddling in, I think of what's the exact support that's going to happen from the left, like the San Francisco left, to do the same with the support of the Taiwanese people. And as I said for, like, also what happens in Ukraine, I said that I'm not necessarily, uh, uh, as some people thought, uh, in support of Russia going into either Ukraine, but I think it's important to put things into perspective or, or, or in context. Now, I think that just like we, we've discussed NATO's involvement and the discussion of that and how that led up to what Russia did afterwards, and we didn't, and everyone's focusing on Russia invasion, and that's all on the mainstream news, instead of focusing on like the US relationship and how they provoked as well Russia and how that's also a part of uh, the provocation for, for Russia to, to, in, to, 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 to do what it did to defend, to defend itself. I, I looked into the history of the Chinese government of, of China and Taiwan, and Taiwan has been a part of China for 200 years before it was seized by imperialists. And those were the consequences of the invasion of the Japanese. And those were backed, the Japanese were backed by, um, by other European colonies. And this was in 1895. So the Chinese people have like for a while, then this might be, I don't know how this might be taken by folks who listen to this, but Taiwan was, if, if Taiwan was already a part of China and the Taiwanese fought for their their um, independence, it was independence from colonized powers like European coloni- colonial powers and, and, and Japan. And here we're discussing, as Nancy Pelosi has visited, discussing democracy and discussing uh, how there's uh, dictatorships trying to take over Taiwan. And, and it's like, this is exactly what the U.S., and other European colonial powers did before. So I'm, I'm not sure what she's discussing when she's talking about or what she's trying to say when she's discussing like democracy. This is democracy. We're fighting for the, their democracy. When they were fighting for the democracy at that time, when they were being attacked or being taken over by Japan and uh, backed by U.S. imperialist powers. And so Nancy Pelosi's visit, even though you said that Biden was sort of, or the Biden administration was distancing themselves from Nancy Pelosi's visit, they actually had sent aircraft carriers before Nancy Pelosi's visit. So they sent aircraft carriers on the coast of Taiwan with accompanying warships. So I, 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 as I said to you on the phone, Andy, I would, I would say this is, as I said, this is U.S. representation, even though they're, they're, they are distancing themselves from, from Nancy Pelosi's visit. In, this is not separate in any way. They could say it in the media as all they want, but this is just in cahoots. I, I, I don't see it differently from 
from the U.S. attack or might or or direct involvement, even though they're trying to say it's not. Yeah, just to pick up on the spreading democracy and the independence struggle thing. I mean, I certainly don't feel like I have a pulse on the Taiwanese population and like where most people's heads are at and their political position in terms of their relationship to China. Um, but it's just so frustrating from like a narrative control perspective like you said about the flags Eduardo like I think you're totally right and it's it's just like everybody <laughs> just it, they wait until be until they're told right oh suddenly as of this week the Taiwanese people are oppressed and China's coming down on them all of a sudden right and it's like oh okay I mean there might be some truth to that. I don't, you know, I don't think China's like, you know, the goodie or whatever. We've gone over, you know, that before in our previous episodes. Um, but it's like, we're like the Puerto Rican independence supporters in my town. We're like the Scottish independence, like nobody, nobody's thinking for themselves. So I think that's just like the first thing that I've, been frustrated at looking at um you know the media and just um people's reaction to this just kind of from the mainstream left mainly um and it, I don't know it's just I think we're all a little jaded after the past few years but it just feels like come on like we just we just did this with Ukraine um I think you gave a good summary of kind of what's going on I don't have a ton to add Andy in terms of just like facts on the ground as as far as we can tell uh obviously not being on the ground um i mean i think on the surface level like it's pretty silly like just of all people to send to sort of like supposedly intimidate china um i mean i don't know if people have been watching any public appearances by nancy pelosi like literally anything she's done over the past six months but she I mean she can't string together a sentence she sounds like she's drunk like all the time and it's funny but it's like holy shit and like this is who they're sending I I just can't even imagine like the laughing stock that the United States must be to foreign leaders and foreign people um so yeah I mean uh I, I do want to definitely get into the whole semiconductors chip thing. I'm curious what you guys think about that. I know it was like a week or maybe two weeks ago that Pelosi's husband, you know, I mean, they're basically openly doing insider trading with the chip stocks. Right. And I know there's been that chip act or chips act, um, that passed in the house and is, is, is going forward. Um, so I, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think in terms of like I've, I've seen a lot of headlines that are like supply chain crisis, like another element of the supply chain crisis. Um, so, and I, I mean, I know like Taiwan and just Asia in general supplies, like, I think it's like 90 something percent of chips. Right. Um, and obviously this technology, like I, I, it's not just for computers, like semiconductors, right? They're used in everything, smartphones and all of the fourth industrial revolution 
technology, I'm sure. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I feel like I don't have a pulse on like, it, is it a, is it sort of a controlled supply chain crisis? I mean, probably not entirely. Like, is the U S really like, are they really shaking in their boots in terms of, you know, Google and Apple and whatever, all like all these tech, tech companies and tech firms, um, like, are they really worried about this or is this, you know, there's been so many aspects of the supply chain, which I feel like we're just experiencing this like controlled demolition of our um, economy. I mean, globally too. And and then of course, with the way that the Ukraine um, situation has affected more so for Europe than the United States, but the United States too, like the way that that's affected their supply chain. Um, I mean, it seems like pretty much across the board, like every leader is just totally willing to um, just completely devastate the state of their own economy and their own um, population's well-being to advance whatever insane World War III advancing um, moves that they want to do. So anyway, I, yeah, I, I'd like to definitely at some point maybe hear people's perspective on the whole semiconductor thing. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, I, like I... Obviously, it's an escalation. Um, I also read, is this right? I read right before getting on here. So somebody posted that po- sending Pelosi there for whatever. She was there like a day, two days. Cost $90 million. Is that right? I mean, that's insane. Like, yeah. <laughs> never mind the carbon footprint, right? She was there definitely less than one day. She was there 18 hours. Cost $90 million. Okay, so... Again, that thing, right? Like it costs ninety million dollars. You know that 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 Pelosi doesn't get to choose that by herself. You know, like the, the the narrative that I've heard a lot is that on one hand she's a rogue agent, right? Like she has oh she's doing this without the White House permission, right? It, it, and it's dangerous, and she's doing this like you know crazy thing, right? Um, the other narrative is like yes, like you said, Lipson, uh, it's time to take it to the Chinese. You know, it's about time to fight those autocratic, um, you know, evil people that dominate their people and blah, blah, blah. And again, like, you know, just from that $90 million, you don't get fucking to go just by yourself. She doesn't get to go on a whim. You know, she's the third most senior person in the U.S. government, I think. You know, isn't she the president of the, uh, the house, right? And so that means that she, in the chain of command, she's third in line to be you know, the ruler of this country, if fucking Biden goes down, if Kamala Harris goes down. So she's no little fucking congressman. You know, she is a representative of the U.S. She's the senior most person that has attended Taiwan. You know, it's not the first one. That, that's not bullshit because, you know, uh, Trump was sending some people, you know, like the health secretary out of all people. Um, and, you know, uh, again, yes, I think you are right, uh, Jessica. You were get, getting, you know, I think to the right questions. You know, is this about semiconductor? Absolutely to me. It is absolutely. Taiwan represents, at least I read, you know, I don't know how accurate that is. People can look up their own stuff. But Taiwan represents 50% of the production of semiconductors in the world. 50%. You know, and, and I don't think it's just China, the, the U.S. that is the consumer. It's also China, you know. So there will be something there, you know, uh, to, to either fuck up or take, take over, 
you know, in order to control the future of the fourth industrial revolution and also, you know, hinder your opponents. So absolutely, not only is it is that, but it's also geopolitical. You know, Taiwan is like 150 miles from the Chinese mainland, something like that. So it's basically like Cuba. Cuba is 90 miles from the U.S. You know, imagine, again, the, the, the missile crisis, right, that we all know about, that we've been taught about, you know, in history. And, and, and having weapons, right, that close to the U.S., the fucking crisis and the paranoia it created, right? And, and, and we often, like, the media tends to forget that or, or portray, a, you know, quote-unquote dictator countries like North Korea as paranoid or, like, irrational and crazy and deranged, you know, but try having, and this is the same shit that Russia just went through, right? That's what Russia is responding to. Uh, Ukraine is right there. You know, NATO has been pushing on their borders you know, for, for years, you know, since the fall of the Soviet Union, even though the agreement, there was an agreement, you know, and there was an agreement with the U.S. and China too. The U.S. and China were actually partners coming out of the Second World War to fight the Russians, to fight the Soviets, not the Russians, the Soviet Union, you know, and so that's what the U.S. agreed to the one China policy, but right now it's, it's convenient to like fucking redo that and rewrite the rules, you know, so it, Again, like I, I, I don't agree with the mainstream narrative that is that you know Nancy Pelosi just went there on a whim. You know, I, I'm not so sure about this fact or if it's a fact, but I think she went to visit a semiconductor uh, uh, factory. I'm not so sure about that, but I, but again, I met with like top semiconductor firm people. What's that? No, I just think you're totally correct. She did. Okay. And, and again, in, in th that uh, company is called uh, Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. You will hear that if you actually look up, you know, like top manufacturing, you know, semiconductor things. And we've known that there is, quote unquote, a, a shortage of semiconductors. I don't trust that just like I don't trust that there is a shortage of coins in this country. You know, uh, we have to ask questions. I don't know fully where I will go with that, the shortage part. But I know for a fact that this was Nancy Pelosi not representing the U.S. government to start some shit. You know, this is a deliberate act. This is not a mistake. This is calculated. You know, th this is them, you know, at getting on that theater that they know they will have to, you know, attack. And, and then we'll, we can talk later about, like, the just the, the ge geography and, you know, and the islands that are actually corralling China on the Pacific. In, in, in maritime routes, you know, potentially. This is something that happened during the Cold War that the U.S. tried to co corner, you know, the Soviets, you know, by, by you know, blocking the Pacific with, with a blockade, you know, essentially. And there is plenty, the Philippines, Borneo, uh, Japan, and now Taiwan, they all, if you connect those dots, you know, you have a relative, you know, uh, relative control of those maritime routes. So this is about all these things. This is about war. This is an act of war. This is not a mistake. You know, this is the U.S. saying, all right, let's get this party started. That's at least what, what it signals to me. Just before we get to the geography, like, why do, you, why do you guys think that they tried to make it? Like, why do you think they tried to set up the pretense that, like, Biden, like, didn't support it, and, like, the military didn't support it, and it was like, oh, badass Nancy just going off on her, like, what's to be gained from that? I mean, I think <laughs> no one, no one wants to go to war, 
whether you're on the right or on the left, because everyone is afraid of what we've always thought, which is atomic bombs, missiles, nuclear bombs, all of this. And so obviously a provocate, this is my opinion, like the provocation between China and the USA, if, if, if it was to show just like in the U, just like you, the USA could not show some direct support, even though it is backing up the Ukrainian government in opposition to Russia, they cannot involve themselves directly. I would think that there's the same thing because otherwise the public pu public opinion is that no one wants to go to war for World War III. So you have to sort of diplomatically say, we're just not, <clears throat> we're distancing ourselves from Nancy Pelosi, but she is, as Kenny has said, the third highest ranking official. It's a representation. <laughs> She's to be, if She's to be the president if something were to happen to Kamala Harris and and, and Biden. So it is a, it is a full support, but it's but it's it's subtle, right? It's a support. This is my thinking. I wanted to talk. Well, I, I, that's my opinion. I'll let someone else say their opinion why they think I I I, I don't. And I'll just say this, Andy, before you go. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm always afraid every time we, if we don't have diplomatic relationships with these higher powers, like with these very potential, high pot, grandes potencias, high um, potent countries, um, that we could go to war. I'm always afraid of that. That's always in my mind. It's always this, this war mongering. It's just always dangerous to me in my head. It's something I always, when we talk about these things, and I and I saw the missile attacks today, but those were a prelude now to what could happen if if the USA gets involved. Uh, they were off the shore of Taiwan, right? Yeah, I probably want to take up where you said. I'm going to try to address Jessica's questions in light of, like Kenny said, a lot of things that got me thinking, because I would agree with a big part of the thrust of what Kenny's saying. And I think there's a different, a slightly different take I have on it, as, a, as if you will, I don't think, as, it, if, as if it was centrally about semiconductors. Um, and I'll try to get to the, so here's what I think, because I believe, first off, I'll go back to what Eduardo originally said about are they are they just switching the front from Ukraine to 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 China or, or to Taiwan going from Ukraine Russia to Taiwan China and no what the U.S. is doing is opening up a new front in an existing war so um, and by the way they are starting another place another war in Kosovo right now as they try to push so the U.S. is intentionally creating instability. Um, and this is the, well, this is what they're attempting to do to try to get back into the top of the game. The idea that the world is a multipolar world is is terrifying to the United States. And so they're trying to make it back to the unipolar world. And they're going to do it by attempting to destabilize their enemies. And they're, they're doing that in Ukraine. And now they're opening up an, they're opening up a new front in that war, in that global war in Taiwan with this semiconductors feature as a definite piece in it. Um, China looks at Taiwan as a as a stationary aircraft carrier in the way that Eduardo was talking about it. It has been used as a as a launch point to invade China. And so they know it. we we have to control that if we want to. Um, and that's so that's why they're pushing back as, as they are. But I think the immediate the immediate reason for why Pelosi, I think, has to do with the November elections. And I also think it has to do with elections coming up in China, why they're doing this, because, and what's happening in the Chinese economy. Um, so 
even though, as I say that the November elections matter, I still want to say this is an overall press of inter-imperialist rivalry, which is only going to get more dangerous in over time. Um, so that's why I do agree with semiconductors. I do agree that's peace because the U.S. If the U.S. loses access to, to Taiwan, that you can guess, you can I guarantee you, China is going to shut down their access to semiconductors through that avenue if the U.S. does any other provocations. And so the U.S. has to defend this front as a way of saying no, we're keeping this for ourselves. Um, but one. The November elections are coming, and I do think the U.S. wanted to get change the game and, and change the discussion. You'll notice that a lot of the Republicans have gotten behind Biden on this, and it's actually, we've gone from a situation where it looked like the Democrats were going to get killed in November to actually having some of their major opponents sing their praises over, over being tough on China. But I do believe there was nervousness about it, and this is what, and I do know, I think China knows this as well is that they were nervous about making this step. So I think they had to distance themselves and basically say, this is Pelosi, just in case they had to back out, Biden could basically, Pelosi could back out so that it, it wasn't the whole US empire looking like it was weak. So that, that is what I think, is I think that they, when they took this move, they were a little nervous about China backing them off. I think China tried to sense that weakness and tried to threaten them in all the different ways and the U.S. said, ah, I sense you are not going to go for it. We're going to go make our move. Now, so that's how I see it, is that the, and, and this is that gamesmanship. It's, it's, it's weakness. It's like, it's like the idea of what does U.S. look like as it leaves Afghanistan and the way it did. It makes you look weak. It makes you, it does actually make you geopolitically weaker. And so this, it was about who was going to back down. Because what they're trying to do here, and I do think the U.S. actually can make a case at this point that they got over on, on G Xi, how do you pronounce his name? Xi Ping? Xi Jinping? Xi Jinping? Is that, can I, can I say it that way? I'm not so sure on this. Xi Jinping is what I usually hear. Xi, okay, I'll say it. Xi Jinping, something like that. Look it up, someone, and then I can't do it. Anymore. All and right, doesn't someone, matter. Say, that dude, the president, Xi, Xi Jinping, whatever. I'm just going to, somebody else can correct it later. Um, the Chinese economy is actually having some difficulties. Growth has has is going down, like the growth in the GDP is going down. There are some bank defaults on stuff that's actually led to massive protests in, in, in sections of China and development of new housing is going down. And the U.S. knows that. And they know that Xi Jinping is actually trying to go for the third term, which historically you don't get a third term. So I do think they're trying to make him look weak in the run up to that election. Um, and hoping to destabilize the political, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party. Because if he can win that election and win it in a landslide, they go forward with this vision of where they're at, where I feel like they're trying, this is actually a move to screw them up over their elections. And at the same time, strengthen Biden's hand in the November elections. That's the, in my mind, that's the immediate, but the long-term is these powers aren't just planning on going to war, they have started going to war um, and using proxies. Um, and this isn't this isn't a front changing. It's a new front opening up. Um, and it looks like the U.S. strategy is to promote war across the globe to destabilize its enemies um, and thinking that they'll come out on top as a result. And I just want to say that I understand what you are saying, Eduardo. No one wants war. We're just talking about people, though. That's humans. We are not talking about politicians. We're not talking about the U.S. ruling class. And we're not talking about the Chinese ruling class. They want war because they want to win. Um, last thing I'll say, if I was a socialist in China, 
I would be opposing what, what China is doing right now with launch, throwing their missiles and things like that. But I'm not, I'm a socialist here. Um, and I call bullshit on my government, um, uh, you know, doing this war making and war promoting stuff. Go ahead, Ken. It's Xi, Xi Jinping, yes. Go ahead, Kenny. I, I was going to say something about, thank you, Andy, for, for correcting that. Yeah, I mean people, not the governments. They could care less. It's, it's us, right? The rest of us who are going to be screwed over. Go ahead. I, I do, I, I, you know, I, I, immediately, I, I don't think I put enough emphasis on the elections. I do think it makes sense. Um, I do wonder if, you know, was there any real risk, you know, in, in that, you know, in terms of starting some shit, you know, that, that could, you know, get a catastrophe going, you know, in, in that, um, you know, I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, just on that question, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people framing it that way. Like, literally, they're trying to start World War III. I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I think maybe long ter term, sure. But, like, did they actually think that China was going to shoot down Pelosi's plane, like, out of the sky? Or that, I mean, yes, they're doing very, very serious drills and, you know, this sort of, like, show of force right now but i i don't know i'm a little um skeptical of that view that like this was gonna start an immediate con conflict um i mean i do think like obviously it shows a really like however the taiwanese people feel i think it shows a total like lack of disregard for you know their safety like supposedly we're like there to spread democracy to them but i mean however much the u.s might be the biggest aggressor in this whole situation and just on the global stage in general. Um, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want China shooting missiles into the water surrounding my Island. I would be fucking terrified. Um, another thing, I mean, I just wanted to throw in there. Like, I, I mean, I don't have, I don't have very much knowledge of this, of the history or like this part of the world, but Taiwan, um, I mean, I know they have a very, very strategic geographic location, right? As we've covered. Um, and yes, they supply like the, the chips and everything or a large portion of them. Um, but my understanding is that their economy is like extremely dependent on mainland China. No, like, so I, yeah, I mean, I think um, just it just it's like so easy to see through like i just can't believe people are cheering this on um, no, i agree i think kenny's right i think it has it's related to the elections i think it shows strength support i predict i may be wrong but this i'm not very i don't like to predict but we're going to have another democrat in the president in the house is in the in, in the white house um what what I, I i'm trying to make the connection i was thinking about this is about monkeypox and everything because I think COVID has conditioned, has really Pavlov conditioned us to obey the government, to be able to support the government, to not question the government, to trust the government, the U.S. government. I'm speaking about the U.S. American people here. And so anything, once we saw how the USA was able to support Ukraine with most of U.S. Americans supporting behind it, right? It just went from like COVID, learning how to trust the government, to trust the government again with this. And I see this uh, pattern where the government is saying, well, these are the reasons why you have to obey us and this monkeypox thing, right? Like 
monkeypox is endemic to the, the Congo area, and never has there ever been a, a, a strategic way to vaccinate everyone. They have had ways to deal with it there, and they're, I'm not saying it's the best um, uh, medical system. I'm, what I'm saying is, if the WHO was really interested, the World Health Organization, I'll make the connection a bit, but if the World Health Organization was interested in eradicating monkeypox, it would have done it already. It, it was it has already existed before. And now suddenly COVID being as, as most people are now seeing, it's like, oh, well, it's something that we have to live with. Another scare to make sure that we jump into this digital capitalism to make sure that we are controlled. And Nancy showing, well, look at China. They're the ones who actually are the ones who are surveilling their people. We don't do stuff like that, right? China's been known for, for their 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 censorship their surveillance their way of of their authoritative way of dealing with people during covid lockdowns and and just even before that with tons of cameras they have lots of they've been known for that and suddenly for uh nancy to show we're just we're very different from them we are defenders of democracy we're going to defend taiwan we are different from china in the way that we treated the whole covid narrative and we are you know we have to make sure that we we have to make sure that we uh, uh, we fight any virus that's going to come over. So we're going to support the WHO in their in their in their way of vaccinating everyone. So I think it's everything's connected, and we're going to be in support of this of of this. I would say invasion of Taiwan from our part, not from China's part. Our invasion of Taiwan, because we have to we have to support the government. We have to support them, right? That's what we've been taught this whole time during the pandemic. Just one thing I quick I wanted to add, not that this is really central, but just in terms of the election thing and what you guys said about kind of like having it their way in terms of the the move, the power move or whatever, but also like covering their ass for the upcoming elections here. Um, I do think it's worth noting Biden's had COVID for like two weeks or something now, right? After how many shots has he had now? Like four or five. I don't even know. Um, and I mean, whatever, maybe it's a coincidence or whatever, but it, it does like, it reminds me of like during the lead up to the, to our last general elections, right? Like he was constantly like in the basement, like, Oh, he can't come out or whatever. Cause of COVID cause of COVID. And it, yeah, it does seem like a very convenient kind of sidelining. Um, that's yeah, just very well-timed. Um, so yeah. And I think like a lot of the yeah, I was thinking kind of in light of what you said, Eduardo, about um, the Chinese response um, and even just like during Pelosi's visit, right? Like all, they're all masking. Like she even gave like the speeches in a mask. Um, and again, like, I don't really see that as super central. Like, I think it's really more about the geopolitics, like we're saying, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all related, right? Um, and I, the other question I wanted to bring up, I'll just throw out there really fast. It's like, I'm curious what you guys think, like how far ahead is China really like in terms of their like foyer technology and everything? Like I know, like, obviously like this is a huge threat in terms of world power, multipolar worlds, um, and a lot of the surveillance techniques. Um, but I don't know, like, I, sometimes I don't know what to believe. Like I have, I've, been to China, but not in like a decade. 
Um, and I'm curious kind of what you guys think, like is, is a lot of that stuff blown out of proportion? Um, and how does that kind of play in? Um, again, uh, a comment about this mask performance by Nancy Pelosi, like you brought it up, Jessica, um, that it's just very curious because when Biden went to Saudi Arabia, to fist bump uh, the Saudi prince, like he he wasn't wearing a mask and a lot of people weren't wearing masks, you know, so it's very selective, right? And like, you know, so um, I remember looking into how, what the vaccination rate in Saudi Arabia or whatever, but uh, going back to your question about China, um, you know, I I think it's, it's a fair thing to have doubts, right? Because like, it's hard to decipher what the fuck is going on. Uh, what I do think, is that China had to do a big leap technologically, right? Like they had to catch up, you know, in a short period. So they, um, there are, there is a technological leap in terms of what I understand, you know, in, in like, because it's happened like in countries where like they didn't have to uh, lay down cables for phones, right? So they just installed towers. And so in modernizing or creating these cities, they have had that opportunity because they don't have to deal with old cities. You know, and they've had to think ahead in order to catch up and they've caught up, you know, financially, you know, economically very fast. And I actually I've heard and I've read some stuff. I don't again, it's, I think it's about, you know, for example, automation that in terms of automa uh, automa uh, automated cars, China has been far ahead. You know, the, the U.S. play catch up and actually like COVID helped the U.S. catch up. And I suspe suspect, for example, that was why COVID was so useful for the U.S. and like the West. Uh, like in San Francisco, like empty streets. What would you think they fucking stop, you know, rolling out the, the, the cars, the automatic cars over here and learning without people? You know, like that's something just as basic as that. But so I do think China is ahead in some areas, you know, and um, militarily, not quite yet. That's what I think they still need Russia. And that's what the U.S. is going after both because they, they know that that alliance, you know, is a threat to the, the hegemony of the U.S., uh, you know, in, in the future of capitalism, and they need each other. You know, like Russia needs China, and China needs Russia, uh, and you know, and that's why I make that connection of you know, the the geographical you know attack on both sides. You know, like if you look at the world map, you know, Ukraine from the west, right? Like it's getting pushed. You know, the, the NATO, the U.S. is pushing that way, and then from in the east in the Indo-Pacific, you know they're pushing, you know, through Taiwan and it may not materialize right now, but I think, you know, like, I think the U.S. is betting on, on something, you know, there geographically because, and that's why I'm a materialist, right? Like, forget all fucking technology, forget software, forget all that shit. If you're not transporting raw materials, you know, from faraway lands, you know, to create semiconductors, if you don't have the naval capacity to, to protect that, those shipments, you know, what good is your technology? You know, like, and so, you know, there is space stuff and blah, 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 but that's why I put emphasis in the ge geographical aspects of it. And I do think there is some, you know, like in, in terms of surveillance of people, yes, hell yes. And it's not all of China, it's certain regions of China, you know, that, that have this mass surveillance and the social credit systems where some people can move if you do something against what the state, you know, is, it, but, but I am careful to bring that up at times because people then that leads to, oh, look at what they're doing over there. When we don't see what it's happening to us in that same way, in, in a similar way, not exactly the same way, 
But we are going through that process too of being surveilled because we, we've talked about the fourth industrial revolution. And, you know, like, and, and also like to me, it doesn't matter as to like who's more advanced because they have the highly destructive, you know, it's like oh, who has the biggest military? Because once they engage in, in, a, in a, you know, zero sum game, you know, like it, 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 it's zero for everyone, I think. You know, if it escalates, it gets out of hand, especially when we've talked about automation of systems, right? Like, like you know, that is what I think it's, we, I think we've discussed it um, in terms of, you know, Russia having to automate their defensive response. You know, if Finland, if Sweden and Ukraine are encroaching into their territory and they have guns pointing at them, then, you know, a false move and then some shit gets out of hand. And it's going to have to ha happen on China on the, on the other side, on the east, right? If, if Taiwan gets closer relationships with the U.S. and suddenly, so China is going to have to automate their shit. And, and so, you know, like, everyone's pushing forward. Uh, like, I, I, don't, I don't think it matters so much as to, to what degree, you know, who's higher than someone else. Because like, I think that the, the technological capacity to destroy the goddamn world or make it very difficult for life to exist here is there if shit gets out of hand. Do you want, can I just say that Finland and Sweden has just joined this week? Um, I mean, um, the Senate, I meant to say, the Senate has just voted this week 95 to 1 for Finland and Sweden to join uh, NATO. So it's, you know, just, just what you were talking about. Um, Kenny, just wanted to mention that little quick fact this, about this week in the USA. But first off, the 95 to 1, was that a, a US thing or a Finland, Sweden thing? The vote? It was, it yeah. was, uh, U.S. Senate votes 95 to 1 to allow Finland and Sweden to join that. Oh, to, okay. I got you. Got you. Okay. Um, well, so I, first of all, I think the, the question you're asking, Jessica, is one I don't think any of us know. Um, I personally, if you ask me just to make an assessment of it based on the, what the U.S. is doing, I think they are behaving like an empire that's been on the top that is very afraid of being taken down and going to the bottom. And I, so I sense that they are worried about how develop the, the rate at which both the economically, militarily, um, politically, uh, that, that China is advancing. Um, and I think that this move is calculated to bring Russia, or it's not, they, they know in doing this move with, with Nancy Pelosi that they are only cementing the relationship between Russia and China. I don't think they would want to do that but I feel like it seems like they feel like they have no choice. They have to start this second front. And I do believe we are, it's a war. And I believe the war is starting. It's not fully hot yet, but it's getting there. And it's certainly beginning to operate openly between proxies uh, that where through proxies, US is going to kill Russians with Ukrainians and US is gonna threaten China with Taiwanese. Um, so my own personal feeling is that China is is ahead of where the U.S. would want them to be. And I think that the, the, emer the idea of the big data analytics collection, the fact that they have a social credit score that, that they can actually use on, our, on their population, the fact that they've gotten big swaths of Africa under their umbrella with the, the, the Belt, and, Belt and Road Initiative, and they're making inroads into South America. I think the U.S. is worried that an emergent technology like AI could be a game changer and at the same time, and I, we, I talked about that book, The Long Game, um, I'll show you here. Long Game. Um, 
China is beginning to make moves to not just not just be ahead in the area of data of data collection, but catch up and maybe even get ahead of the U.S. in terms of its navy in that region and beyond, and and, and in terms of projecting power. Uh, they're already ahead of the United States in terms of the number of their um, infantry, but they're not ahead in terms of aircraft. Uh, what is it? The number of aircraft carriers and um, Air Force and things like that. So and and think and so that you China has some work to do, but they're t attempting to do it. Um, so the what was I going to say about that? So I do believe that the U.S. is making moves out of that nervousness, and I do want to come back to the thing I always read because um, uh, when I go back to the 2018 National Defense Strategy, this is the last paragraph of the opening statement, you know, here's what they say. China is a strategic competitor. It's no longer about the war on terror. It's about China and Russia and North Korea and Iran. Um, but here's what they, they end with in the opening page. The and they're saying, here's the cost of not doing this strategy, this new strategy that recognizes that China and Russia are the problem. The cost of not implementing this strategy are clear. Failure to meet our defense objectives will result in increase in decreasing US global influence, eroding cohesion among allies and partners and reduced access to markets that will contribute to a decline in our prosperity and standard of living. Without sustained and predictable investment to restore readiness and modernize our military to make it fit for our time, we will rapidly lose our military advantage, resulting in a joint force that has legacy systems irrelevant to the defense of our people. Now, they go on in there and talk about big data analytics and AI. That, so uh, that to me is some nervousness. That's in 2018. And I don't think things have gotten that much better for the US empire um, in that time. So um, th that's what scares me is that I do think the US is like a wounded, hunted bear that has ruled the jungle or ruled its forest. And now wolves are starting to take it down and the bear is trying to lash out. I know that bear is supposed to be Russia, so that's confusing, blah, blah, blah. But that's my best, you know, thing I can come up with. Um, but it, there were nuclear weapons, though. <laughs> right, but it, but and be clear, every one of them thinks they can win with those nuclear weapons. So they believe they have a plan to win. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the game. Can I just throw out there, though? Like, I don't want to like pivot too much to the Russia thing because I know we've covered that more, and we're focusing on China and Taiwan, but. I don't know, just like watching the past couple months. Um, it doesn't seem to me, based on my limited knowledge, like the sanctions on Putin and the endless, like over the top anti-Russian propaganda and all of this is working. I mean, I'm not, I don't know, like, Europe, especially, right, is struggling, I would say, like, even more so than us, just because of, you know, how, the percentage of, um, you know, in terms of their energy and food and all of that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying, like, obviously, a lot of Russians and Ukrainians are dying. Again, like, all the leaders hate their own people or, you know, at best, just don't give a shit about them if they're collateral damage. But I don't really feel like Russia's like up against the wall right now. Um, so, I mean, I guess it just kind of supports your like flailing bear analogy, um, Andy. 
And I do, I mean, I do hear a lot of like, oh, like it's not working. You know, what we're doing against Russia isn't working. So time to move on to China. But I, I totally agree with you that it's like, it's not like a separate thing. It's like another front in the same war. Um, go ahead. You look like you want <laughs> Kenny will probably have something to say to this, but it's totally true what you're saying, Jessica. That war has not gone well. That proxy war has not gone well for the United States. Russia's ruble is stronger. Russia is in a better such situation situation in terms of the to, to weather the storm right now. It's NATO allies that it was hoping to marshal are all collapsing and they're losing leaders like nobody's business. And militarily, despite all the fucking people who throw up their red, their blue and yellow flags and think and say that Ukraine is, they are losing. They are losing badly. And the people who are dying are Ukrainian. And the, the military in Ukraine has been destroyed. The defenses that were built by NATO over the last since 2014 and United States are, are getting hammered. And Russia's taken losses, but not as much as US had hoped. And so what they're doing now is there's actually articles coming out that the US is now saying distancing themselves from Zelensky. And they're talking about forming better relationships with Poland and arming Poland. So that can be the new front when all of East Ukraine has taken over. West Ukraine represents a rump that can no longer even, you can't even operate on a front to fight Russia. Poland is now saying, we'll line up for that war. Come with us, NATO. Come with us, United States. We'll help you. This, I mean, again, it's it's the spreading war that we understand from world wars. Um, but it's a result of the fact that Russia has actually made much more progress than for all the talk of, oh, they retreated from Kiev. The U.S. knew they had had big defenses lined up, and Russia has taken them apart. Um, and that, that's my read on it. Yeah, I feel like it's been pretty obvious all along that Zelensky, like, was always going to be eventually thrown under the bus. I mean, they can't even get the guy a fucking like blazer or something. <laughs> but um, just one thing to add, just in, like on the tech thing, and then also connecting it to. I have a question. Uh, sorry, yeah. just a comment no, no. on the question that you had, because I started to think that those sanctions were not directed at Russia; they were directed at cutting Europe from Russia. You know, in those ties, because for example, that German uh, Russian pipeline that's been you know in in the works. So actually, I think this is like again creating chaos to pick your fucking side because shit is coming, you know, type of thing. So yeah, the Europe is suffering actually more than than the Russia is, you know, to my understanding. So again, I I think this is the U.S. is like all right, buddies, like pick your side because you know winter is coming and and so uh, which shows you right like the, the level of you know if you believe that to be true, how how willing they're how the U.S. ruling class is willing to fuck you over, you know, and make deals and then undo deals in order to make you choose, you know, their side. You know, they did it to to fucking China, right? Post, you know, blah, blah, blah. They did it to the Soviets, you know, during World War II or post World War II. The, the, you know, they're going to do it to Taiwan. They fucking did it to Ukraine. They've done it to Latin America, you know, and I think they're starting to do it to Europe. You know, because they're not allies, you know, like there is no like we've talked about the anarchic competition in capitalism right, among nations that it, it, this pretense that, you know, that um, economic activity. Right. This is one major disagreement with the world order people that, you know, they, they have economic ties. It's like as if those things can fucking be broken at some point, you know, like in World War Two, a lot of these fuckers had economic ties. You know, they were gone. And even then, like, like investment banks were investing in fucking Nazi shit. So they don't care. Like, they will pick where the money is at, you know. And so, but again, I do think sanctions are about Europe. They're not about, you know, Russia. 
pretty extreme like some of the rhetoric coming out of the european politicians like telling people like oh yeah you might want to like go forage for twigs to keep warm warm over the winter like with a straight face it's crazy and i know eduardo you should get in here but i want to add one thing to to, to add what uh, kenny just said many people thought the dollar was going to fall particularly when saudi arabia threatened to go or has begun to say talk they're going off the petrodollar I've heard that the propping up of the dollar, the dollar has stayed strong, is in relationship to the fall of the euro. Well, then what about the Russian currency, right? That Putin's going to have this new currency that sounds like it is likely to be way more stable than it's the, the dollar. combined the combined one with China and Russia. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's yeah, you're right, you're right. And that's where I think I think that. The U.S. has a weak hand because when we bring in Saudi Arabia, you know, into the equation, because Saudi Arabia has also flirted with the idea of, you know, accepting Chinese, you know, uh, what is it, like the yen instead of the dollar for petroleum, you know, and, and you know, we saw Biden had to go to meet with this pariah, right, like this whole thing that, that he was going to sanction. And, but I think, you know, like Saudi Arabia is also <laughs> playing both sides. It's like, you know, we'll pick the winner here. Um, yeah. And one last thing, I'm sorry, Roberto. I think the US is counting on instability in China and hoping that more of the kinds of those demonstrations that you saw, which were meaningful demonstrations when people were sit standing in front of banks and stuff like that to try to say, no, you can't take all our money from us. We've got to give it back to us. You can't just hold on to it. Um, the US is now counting, I think, big part on growing instability in China, them not being able to control their own population and hoping to help ferment that the very same response that I would actually support, um, and I do support, I, I, I do support the Chinese people fighting their government. Um, the U.S. is also going to count on some of that stuff. In fact, I heard that the guy who went off, who really took all that money at that first bank, fled to the United States. <laughs> to, you know, they said, oh, we'll take you because it, it led to huge problems there. But I mean, I, I just would say I support the demonstrations in China. The U.S. ruling class also does for very different reasons. So. I don't have much to say anymore, but I, I imagine anyone will ask here, what is the opinion of both of you being that you both are socialists and that China is considered to be a socialist country? And that's going to come up in discussion. So I, I, I would like for both of you to respond to that because our audience is aware that, you know, I say it in the intro. Uh, you know, socialist Andy Lipson, socialist, can you say, like, and, I, and we agree that we're that we're, we are anti-capitalists here and we have differences on how we should, uh, what would be next for us if we were to have uh, a decentralized or a, a, a non-capitalist government. But if you both could respond to that, because our audience will say, well, you know, this is a socialist country, maybe, you know, what is the response to that? Kenny, you want to go first? Well, first off, um, one of the areas that because one of the reasons the left isn't going to isn't going to put on their blue and yellow flags around this issue is the left has historically. And I and I'm now when I talk about the left, I'm not talking about the Democratic Party. I'm talking about the revolutionary left has historically saw the Soviet or the China as a degenerated worker state, a worker state that has gone wrong. You know, they went they went too far capitalist, but it's still some version of work of socialism because the state is attempting to distribute resources from the top. And because of that, the left will not fuck this one up as bad as they fucked over Ukraine. 
because they've actually they still think of China as socialist. What it means is the left that is opposing this war will actually support the actions that the Chinese are taking militarily and say they have the right to do that. You know, Taiwan is part of China. That's what they'll say. They'll they'll basically claim that no, Taiwan is part of China and give backhand support to Chinese imperialism. Um, I don't care about Chinese imperialism. I'm in the U.S. I got to stop my country. But that's that is what I um, and I would say that. First of all, so I think most socialists think of some version of socialism there. I say there has nothing to do with socialism over there. It's complete. It's a complete capitalist system, which really is is doing more successfully fusing the forces of the state with, to the, some extent, a private investment to really be a public-private partnership of perfection, really, that the U.S. is attempting to mimic. Um, and in fact, that really is the form, state capitalism, state-run capitalism is the form that governments take in war because they have to. They've got to stop their countries from for- producing cars and you've got to start making tanks. So we're going to like take it over. So that China has just gotten there quicker. U.S. is going to catch up. And the conditions that are leading towards more and more World War III are producing the, the, the likelihood of public-private partnerships being more and more a feature of our, of our own future. And most socialists, unfortunately, still believe that if you have a state that is distributing things and has social at the top, socialist at the top, it's still some kind of socialism. That has nothing to do with socialism, zero. Yeah, I agree with the same thing in the sense of that you call yourself a socialist doesn't mean you are one. You got to look at the fundamentals of how society is organized, you know, where power lies. Um, you know, I lived in Nicaragua, democratic, Christian socialist, fucking bullshit. And I saw, and I had proximity to some of the power, you know, and how that was, you know, there was no democracy. There was no, you know, um, control of the masses, right? Democratically and input and, you know, they were in also, I, I don't think socialism slash communism can be built from the top down. You know, it, we have to learn, you know, how to organize ourselves, run our societies together. You know, uh, it, I don't, it is not a dictation, you know, it's, a, it, it's not in, 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 you know, we we're not going to tell you, and I have other problems with like the, 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 the process of Chinese, the Chinese history, you know, the quote unquote communism, like shit with like, you know, the cultural revolution, you know, that's fucking engineering a fucking society, just like the shit that I'm rejecting here with, you know, the fucking liberals and, you know, and shaming people into fucking, no, you got to learn it in the process of building, you know, you got to learn that it's beneficial to you. You know, you don't have some fucking technocrat telling you that, you know, that it, that this is good for you. That's no fucking different. And in the, in, 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 you know, so I agree with what Lipson said, you know, in terms of th- this fusion of the states, you know, in, in, in the capitalists, right? And in, in, we're heading that way. You know, when we talk about the UBI, we're heading to that shit. UBI is, you know, like universal basic income, right? That is going to come. You know, and people call that shit socialism. Socialism is not a fucking handout, you know? So I do agree with white wingers where they, where they are disdain, you know, handouts. That's not what fucking socialism is. That's the bullshit that Bernie Sanders or Ocasio-Cortez see as fucking socialism. You know, that's not what it is. You know, it, 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 and, and, and I wish I could tell you this is the fucking roadmap, but no, it's going to take us building it and, and making fucking mistakes and learning along the way, but you know, having a, a horizontal, you know, uh, distribution of power, not, you know, vertical like it is in China, like it is here, 
you know, so it's not, you know, like I absolutely don't agree. Like that's, it is state run capitalism, you know, like that's not different than like uh, Soviet, you know, like the, the Stalin experiment. That's not, you know what? I'm not going to fucking defend that bullshit. And a lot of people do defend, you know, this shit as being socialist. But if you look at the fundamentals of what makes a socialist society, is there fucking democracy, you know, in the, in the class, you know, in the, in the, from the base? You know, do, do workers run shit? Do people run shit? Not, again, technocrats, not bureaucrats. You know, like, can you actually, because we will have leaders, can you actually hold them accountable? You know, so it's not, hell no. And, and, and I am tired too. Like so many people like adhere to that ideology and they're very easy to persuade to uh, accept imperial projects. Again, like, you know, uh, the, going on the side of China, you know, in this war and, you know, uh, so they can go after Taiwan and that bullshit. So no, again, it's not socialism. It's not communism. It is a dictatorship, you know, but again, I don't want to use that to say that we are not because I don't see democracy anywhere in this fucking world. I don't, you know, <laughs> it's just that it looks different for us and we keep getting brainwashed and we have been brainwashed because I actually talked to a coworker recently, three coworkers. We started talking about Ukraine thing and stuff and, you know, talked about the, the World War II and the big default was like, oh, uh, Putin is evil, you know? And it's like this notion that these people are more evil than our, than our representatives, you know, that they are more deranged you know, that these, those dictators, that they are dictators, but we are not, we are a democracy, you know? And I, I invite people to show me where the fuck, where has there ever been democracy in this fucking nation, for example? Yeah, I just want to add, I'm so sick of having the conversation with people about fake socialism. I'm not, not even a fucking socialist. And I, I mean, I just had this conversation this morning about fucking Bernie. For like the billionth time like all you got to do is look at that vote that eduardo referenced 95 to 1 in the senate right to expand nato guess what bernie sanders wasn't the one right he was not that one that was a fucking republican and i do worry though because um on the right i mean now i'm living in a in a pretty right-wing town and the the anti-China sentiment on that side of things is almost as bad <laughs> as the anti-Russian sentiment currently on the left. And so if this escalates, which it is, it's, it, it does feel in that sense, just, I mean, it's, it's exhausting having the same stupid conversations again and again, but the narrative control is very, very real. And when it's coming from both sides, it's, it, it is worrying. Um, and especially like, I mean, the right has gotten more stuff correct than than usual the past couple of years, but they're very pro-military. I mean, they really are like, Jesus, we have fucking like military recruiters in my classrooms. Well, not literally my classrooms, but in the halls of our of our schools. Um, and in terms of, you know, just the yeah, the whole patriotism, defense, like these just really skewed notions of democracy, like they're still extremely pervasive and they look different on each side of the aisle, but they're not like when it comes down to it. Um, I, I mean, I could see both sides cheering for a fucking nuclear weapon to be detonated. It's not that far 
removed, especially like coming back to Kenny's earlier point about the, just the geography and how important that is. Like, yeah, okay. China's military may not be like as far advanced as they want it to be, but I don't know. It seems, I mean, I'm not a military strategist or whatever, but it seems like if, if there was any aggression on their part, like perceived aggression, I mean, just, just because of the geography, like even, I mean, even if we're over in Taiwan, like exerting control, it it feels like it wouldn't take much. Like, I mean, that would be how they would win. Right. Which is not, you know, obviously it would be a loss for everybody. Thank you, Jessica, for standing up for socialism, even though you're not a socialist. <laughs> that helps. Honestly, it helps to kind of clear the way on that stuff. And I, that's a very frustrating conversation. That's number one. Um, number two, in terms of like, I do believe the danger, the danger is already still for the United States in that region, like China, giving China the, the opportunity to do the exercises they're doing only strengthens the ability for China to operate to operate militarily um, in, in, as they have done. And one of the things I read from the long game book is the, the hypersonic missiles, one of the reasons they're so important is, and they believe Russia has enough and China has enough, is they believe that they can use those hypersonic missiles to sink the US fleet in the Pacific because they can't stop those missiles with the, 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 anti, the anti-missile thing. And that's the th- something the US is very worried about is that they, and they will not be able to project power at that point. So like, again, that's some of the stuff that, that, that they end up talking about. There was one other thing I wanted to say. What was that in relationship to something? Oh, socialism. Like, and I want to, I want to add one more word to, to assessing socialism other than democracy. And I, I want to add that word freedom. And I want to ask if, if people do not feel free under that system, then I don't like, I don't care if it like, what I mean is, it has to be. People have to feel free, um, and the the left has avoided that word because they associate it with the right. Um, and I think we can't because freedom does matter. Um, but it also matters about whether you get things right. Because Jessica, I really agree with you that the right is going to be taken advantage of for their anti-China in the same way that the left is getting taken advantage of around Ukraine and their and their fight for independence and and the belief that they're fighting a Putin madman. And we can also see that in the pandemic. I found out the last Workers and Students for Choice uh, person brought up the fact that Dell Bigtree is basically saying that monkeypox is real and that monkeypox is coming from gay people. And for that reason, there's a there's a justification for some of the state restrictions that are going on. And he's actually saying, you know, maybe gay people should just kind of chill out for a while so we can escape from monkeypox. Like that shows you that if you don't get your political ducks right, because I agree, I think Dell Pictory has done a lot of good work to expose what's going on in COVID. But now they were able to, sh- to say to him that there's something that gay people have that can spread. And I think because of some conservative bullshit that's running around his head, they're getting over on him. And so you, there's no free lunch. These people will use every one of our political weaknesses in which we don't actually have solidarity with one another to, 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 gr- to grow divides. Well, I I haven't heard that about, I missed the meeting this week, Um, but that's not super surprising to me. And just, I mean, it's a little side note, but I, I think a lot of that, like, not so latent anymore homophobia on the right is like coming from like the whole 
uh, neoliberal, like LGBTQ plus L, you know, ZW, whatever, all of the identity politics, like it's somehow getting like thrown into that whole discussion. Um, not that that's an excuse, but uh, yeah, I see, I, I, I could see him kind of falling for that. He's been good on COVID, but his politics. <laughs> you know, and like, I, I just, I guess in my head, you know, like I said that we're heading to a similar place where the Chinese people are, you know, like the workers are in terms of surveillance, dictations. And, you know, I think there is this collective arrogance that is manifested to this notion of progress, right? Like as we've, we've evolved, that we have higher values, higher ideals, more awareness, blah, blah, blah. What I see happening will be a display of this quote unquote backwardness, you know, when we're pinned against each other more and more, you know, because I, I see a similarity again, going back to Nicaragua, I heard stories of people where they were afraid of their neighbors because they would snitch on each other, you know? And so, you know, this homophobia, this racism, sexism, all this shit is gonna, I think is gonna resurface again because people are gonna be afraid of each other, you know? And that's what they're, they're doing. I mean, literally trying to scare the fuck out of us. They did that through the COVID, you know, the pandemic, you know, through the vaccine mandates, you know, people turn against their fucking neighbors, people they trusted, right? I, organizers turn against organizers, you know, and people who had trust built on, on in the trenches, right, of, of doing shit, you know, going through life, building community, you know, they turn against each other, you know. So I, I do think, you know, it, it, there is validation in terms of the people who look at, oh, Stalin, yeah, fuck that shit. Yes, absolutely. You know, look at China. Yes, absolutely. But don't for a fucking second think that it's not happening here and it's not going to happen and it's not going to grow. Because, you know, we've talked about, you know, in terms of uh, what was that Supreme Court Justice uh, Brown? Katanji. Katanji. Uh, Jackson Brown. Yeah, you know, it, that is not about eliminating racism or sexism. That is actually instigating shit. You know, the same thing, you know, the, earlier uh, uh, we talked about resources, we talked about the South. This, this shit, everything that we're talking about also doesn't just involve the U.S. doesn't just involve China. It involves Africa. It involves Latin America. Because guess what? The the, the Southern uh, commander, you know, of the U.S. forces, she's a woman, right? And, and she talked about Latin America having 60% of the world's lithium, right? She talked about Latin America having 30% uh, of the world's fresh water, right? This is a woman, in, you know, a boss lady in a position of power, you know? So they're gonna use this shit. And then, you know, th there are people who will have these pre uh, you know, preconceived notions, but they will associate bad things with people in positions of power that happen to represent a group. So this shit will come back. You know, it, it, we're, we're not evolving, we're not past the bullshit, you know, because it can be exploited, these divisions. And, and people like the, the one you mentioned, who I don't know who the fuck he is, but, you know, we'll fall for that shit, just like fucking Noam Chomsky did. Right, this fucking intellectual giant, right, that people revere, especially in the liberal left, you know, he was a fucking pushing for fascist shit, you know, for you know, putting people in internment camps, basically, who didn't get vaccinated, right? So, it, 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 not just regular people will be had by these narratives, 
you know, pinning us against each other. Even the, especially, I actually think, because I've been that person who's been saying that, the most educated are the most indoctrinated, easier to manipulate. Then, oh, just one thing that just came to mind. I don't know. Also, I feel like all I've done is just side notes today, but um, just like the the thing you were saying, kind of about Kenny, about um, how like we think we've progressed and we really haven't. Just especially in terms of anti-imperialism, like we just fucking drone striked the alleged, you know, another alleged nine eleven dude this week or however long recently um i thought we pulled out <laughs> like didn't we supposed to have pulled out right so it's just i don't know I, I i guess it doesn't like directly connect but it's just you know it's just more lies like more lies and um i mean and obviously the whole 9-11 narrative is a great a great example of that but um like nobody blinks an eye. They're like, oh yeah, we just drowned, just drowned him. What? <laughs> like, I thought this was like the the one good thing that Biden did, right? Like, pulled back, pulled out. We're not gonna fucking drown people anymore. Nope. Like, uh, it's just it just baffles my mind that anybody trusts a word that our leaders say. And I think you just mentioned another uh, group of people that I would say have also been had, right? People who were like, oh, this 911 thing doesn't add up. But then the COVID narrative took root. You know, like, oh, the, the government is incapable of a fucking massive lie, right? <laughs> like, this is this lie is way too big, right? But, you know, there is no connection to that. It baffles my mind that people who were, you know, alive during that time, then we know for a fact that we were gaslit, we were fucking lied to, you know, we were thrown into a war, a lot of money exchanged hands, it was not beneficial to the workers at all, you know, and, and, and yet here we are again, you know, like another massive event also around, you know, a very tumultuous economic time. You know, forget the people forget the dot-com, you know, bust, you know, and then 9-11 happened and then this shit happens, you know, and so I'm a conspiration of theories, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think we've said enough. I mean, it's all related. I, I don't feel like I articulated what I really, the whole monkeypox thing when the relationship, I don't know if I made the connection. I was just trying to say similar to what you all had said, which is, you know, like it's about elections. It's about obedience. It's about make censorship. You know, it's like that that's coming enough with another scare. Right. So that's why it's important to mention it. and. Uh, even though it's already existed. I didn't know that about um, the political uh, conservative uh, views of that guy. And, and I really, it's kind of glad you brought it up. But if anyone could be tricked, you see, whether it's on the right or the left. Yep. That does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenge in the mainstream left. Uh, uh, we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webmail.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast that channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please uh, subscribe, rate, view, turn on your, your notifications uh, to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find any of that on the in the episode notes or on our blog, which I just said. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog 
or directly at uh, our, our, our social media handles, uh, mine Instagram at Don Eduardo Barca, uh, Kenny's at ZDKE, and uh, Jessica's Twitter, which is at uh, JHomie89. Uh, oh, and one more thing to mention, uh, if folks are interested, I did, I've been here in Colombia now for three months and I'm about to complete the third month. So if anyone is interested in knowing more about what we've discussed, I will be doing a bit more extensive uh, conversations and interviews with folks from here on my own channel, which I dreaded doing, but I will be doing it because I have stories to share with folks that are migrating from here from Colombia to Spain, to the um, to the USA, and I want to follow their stories. I think it's very important, it's very relevant. Uh, we could do something else on Venezuela some other time, another socialist country, so to speak, but isolated and sanctions that are imposed on people, which is the reason why people are really migrating and for people who are hurting. And so I really hope that people could follow those stories. I will be sharing it both in Spanish, English, Spanglish, and let's see if I'll do it in French as well. But most importantly, I think it's important for folks to do it, uh, for people to to listen and to to really um, to have their stories be told. I want their stories to be told more than anything, more than what I have to share. And so I hope folks could please, please help and migrate over to that channel and possibly donate. I will put a link at the bottom for anyone to donate uh, for people's voyage, their journey up north, because it's really important. Anyhow, thank you for that uh, um, selfish time of mine. And uh, we'll see you all next week. I'm Eduardo Barca uh, with co-host Jessica, Kenny Cepeda, and Andy Lipson. Thank you all very much. Ciao. Thank you.